Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to Love Yourself Fiercely. I'm so excited to dive in with today's guest. We have Kendra Cover, who is a woman's empowerment coach and a sex, love, and relationship coach. And she's here to share her story of how she really embodied self-love and made it a way of life for her, which took a turn and enhanced her life in the most unexpected ways. So Kendra, thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, I usually love to let my guests kind of tell their own story because I always feel like it's so much more potent coming from you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and then take us on the journey with you. When did you realize that self-love was lacking and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, of course. So ultimately what I really consider myself to do with women and couples that I work with is open us up to receive and give love and pleasure and all those like good things in life more freely. Hmm. And I say that because that is what I didn't know was missing for me (laughs) until I found out. Um, And that's like the piece that I feel like ultimately so many people are looking for is like, how do I be, I've even had like client after client say to me, like, I see these couples who come together and they feel lit up and they, they seem to light up in each other's presence. They seem to give and receive love so freely. And that to me really captures my own journey. I once upon a time was a mother and in the early years of motherhood uh, with my partner, my husband, and we were really struggling. Um, We were struggling to be the parents we wanted to be, and we were struggling to be the partners we wanted to be. Um, Our relationship was just really, I always say like, to me, it felt like the tenderness had kind of like leaked out Mm. and it became more and more volatile over the years. Um, And at a certain point we decided, really my husband made the official decision to separate we went through several years of different like variations of separation, um, which were very hard years. Uh, you know, my son was just entering kindergarten. Uh, we were, we live in Los Angeles. So like the housing market, we weren't in a situation to like have two lovely homes and that type of thing. And so we were really in this bind of like, do we live together, but separately do we, that was that was one volatile option. <laughs> Do we actually physically separate and co-parent? Um, and it's interesting because talking about in hindsight always feels sort of calm and like a lovely story. But at the time, it was really um, a lot of, yeah, volatility is the best word, but I was really cracked open by it. I was found myself basically being a single mother in our home with my son Um really struggling to have the interactions I needed to have with my partner in order to co-parent well, struggling to show up as a mother to this young boy while I'm going through it, financially responsible for so much more than I had been just a moment ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And just was really just beginning my own journey as a coach, like getting, doing training and education around that. So brand new business of my own, sort of at its own baby steps. So (sighs) there I was. And I just remember like so many moments where there was so much like emotional, like storm within me 
and looking myself in the mirror and just really being clear that like, I need to do this in a way that I can like look myself in the eye. Like I need to be able to know that like this, I I at least did my best that I was Mm. kind as much as possible that I was. So, I mean, really, I feel like a lot of my journey with self-love began as like a lifeboat that was thrown out to me by myself in the sense of like, how in the heck do I do this in a way that I can feel good about um, in some future moment? And just even like, how do I show up for my son as the mother I want to be? So for me, it really became like, yeah, like a life raft. Like, what do I need right now in order to stay afloat for my son and in order to be a kind human being to my partner when we are co-parenting? And what I really uncovered was, you know, these very tangible practices around self-compassion, self-forgiveness, um, these really tangible practices around connecting to my own body, which draw me more into my own intuition, um, practices around self-pleasure, which although I'd never really thought of myself, I thought of myself as a pretty sexual being, but we had really hit up against that as well mm-hmm. in the early years of parenting together, like that sort of, I couldn't quite find myself in all of that. And starting to spend time for the first time in my life, really diving deeper than just like the little slice of my sexuality that I <laughs> yeah. seemed to know well and had shared with people that filled me up with like love and awe for myself and goodness mm-hmm. on days when I really needed it. Um, and also a huge piece for me that came into play too, which I feel like is such a big piece of our self-love is my own emotional liberation, I had always been a highly sensitive like child and then grown into an adult. And I got the message very early that like, it was too much. (laughs) Calm it down, take it over there until you calm down. So what that ended up looking like as an adult is that I didn't have the cope. I didn't have the real skills in place. So I would seem really calm and together out in the world. And then with those closest to me, just like when I was a child, that's where I would sort of have these eruptions that I didn't quite know what to do with. And I often would have like a shame cycle after that. So during that time, one of the biggest pieces that I brought in, and it's a huge piece of the work I do, especially with women, because I find it so needed, is this emotional liberation, actually holding safe space for ourselves, for our big feelings, really giving them space versus kind of, as I say, vomiting them on the people closest to us, Mm. but also versus like just swallowing them uh, and holding that all in. So those were like, that's a broad swath, but after (laughs) a few years of like that work along with just like living life, mothering, co-parenting, my partner and I did actually come back together. (laughs) Um, I almost laugh because if you would have told either of us or anyone who knew us that that was even possible, we wouldn't have believed you, but we did, we came back together. We started finding more and more connection and kindness and loving. And over time we are now together, um, have been for those like five or six years since then. And in a relationship that I really am in awe of, I mean, there's so much healing, there's such security and um, tenderness, the passion, like, we really show up to, for continued growth in that. And one of the things that I love most about that 
beyond just getting to experience it and the healing for our son after all those years of volatility and um is that for my clients, like I tell them, like they can't out mess me, like they can bring anything. And I'm like, oh no. And there's sort of, you know, there's like literally no judgment here because I really like, I have been there, done that and um, probably worse, you know? And so it's like, and I've come to this other side and I had no way of knowing that would be with my same partner. I have clients where that is clearly not the way to go. And that's wonderful too, but it's, but in my case, it was, and we have really been able to do some incredible, like individual healing within our relationship mm. as well. And so I love that, like people can sit down in front of me and I really can hold like, oh, anything's possible here. So let's just start on this journey and you're going to know, right? Like as we yeah. go down this road of self-love, self-compassion, pleasure, emotional freedom, like you're going to come to know what's right for you. Yeah. It's so, uh, your story is so beautiful on so many levels, but I think the part that gets me and I can see myself in it is that moment in the mirror where you're like, I need to be able to be proud of myself at the end of all of this. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have two children with two different fathers and my daughter and I, uh, father separated Oh my gosh, we were so young. I was 25. He was 27. We were new at parenting. And one of the things that I vowed from the very first day was that she was never going to be a pawn. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the time mm-hmm. it, it becomes this like push pull and it ha- really has nothing to do with your children and everything to do with your lack of emotional regulation around your pain, right? Yeah. And your anger mm-hmm. and your resentment. And I remember having that moment and we're 11 years later and, you know, we are so close as Mm. co-parents and there's so much love and being together was not what was right for either one of us. But I resonate so deeply with that because it's such a decision. And it's such a, a, a decision within self. It's not really about the other person. It's not mm-hmm. even really about your kids. It's like at the end of my life, at the end of this journey, at every moment in my life where I have to make a difficult decision, I choose to do it in a way that I can look myself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I just and, got chills when you said that. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. You know, and that's kind of what I teach now in a different aspect is like, you only owe two people in this world, anything. And it's the seven-year-old version of yourself and the 90-year-old version Mm. of yourself. And when we can be intentional about the way we live with that at the forefront, like, how can I honor the little girl who didn't feel seen, who didn't feel loved, who didn't, Mm -hmm. who felt too much? Because I also know that life. And also be the old woman looking back on our life. Like, is she proud? Is she proud of how we loved? Is she proud of how we leaped? Is she proud of how we, you know, and, and so that has been such a big piece for me too. And I think that's why self-love is such an important piece of both of our work, because it's about who we are in the journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, it's like, yes. And it's like such a feedback loop, isn't it? Because Mm -hmm. like when I would do what it took, because it wasn't just natural, you know, people would say to me, like, I, it's so amazing how kind you two are being through this or something. I'm like, oh, this is, 
this is work. It's, it's work. Like, I'm, I don't know what he's doing over there, but I can tell you on my end, like there's a lot, there's still a lot of volatility. It's just that I'm holding it. I'm mm-hmm. holding it. I'm giving it spaces away from my son and away from him, my ex, yeah. right at the time. And so, um, but what that did is like, what I didn't count on, but I love is that it started to help me see my own power mm-hmm. because I started to clock like how many days I had shown up kind and present and, you know, able to hold sort of whatever my partner was or ex-partner at the time was bringing, you know, mm-hmm. it, like, like you mm-hmm. said, it, I, I really decided it's not going to be about that. I'll take that and I'll alchemize it through me, but I'm not going to, you know, react. I'm going to respond. (laughs) So, um, and that built in me a different kind of self, self belief, I think in my own power and my own ability and capacity to hold like really hard things. Um, not in a way again, that just like completely bypassed me, but, but that really, yeah, like you said, that emotional regulation around what's hard, Right. And taking real responsibility for it. Yeah. Right. And, you know, emotional regulation is something we often hear about in schools and with children, but let's be real. Our generation was mostly suppressed Mm -hmm. in our emotions. And so we as grown ass women don't know how to emotionally regulate. We don't, we (laughs) suppress it until we can't. And then we explode and then we have shame And Mm -hmm. then we have fallout and then we have, you know, another perpetuating cycle of suppression because I expressed my emotion. It caused me more pain. It caused me more grief. I feel terrible. So next time I feel sad, angry, rage, disappointed, resentful, I'm just not going to express it because look what happened. Mm -hmm. But what we're doing is just we're trapping our own pain inside of our, our bodies. So when we can learn to let First of all, let your feelings be present. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and second of all, honor that they're there to tell you something. You know, we, we're so afraid of them, but when you're disappointed, let that be there. Let that be awareness. When mm-hmm. you're resentful, let that be awareness. When you're sad, let that be present. Because when we can learn to let those be present, we can also learn to let pleasure and love and desire and depth of our our quote unquote, positive emotions also be present because suppression suppresses them all. Yes. Yes, it does. Right. We don't just suppress Mm -hmm. the pain. We suppress the possibility of pure love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pure pleasure, which is where we're going to go next is to this un- you know, forsaken, it's like this forbidden talk about self-pleasure and the ability mm-hmm. to really incorporate that into not only our healing, but who we are in partnership and who we are individually. And so I'm going to let you talk about that because I think it's also such an undertaught, undervalued, underexpressed piece of who we are as women. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I just want to second what you said about, you know, that sort of, I always think of it like a pendulum when it swings and it can only swing as high on one side as it swings on the other. Mm -hmm. So a lot of us are kind of living in this little, like the pendulum's just barely moving from side to side and it feels good enough, you know, and you don't hurt too much, but then look like there's all this other stuff available on each side. So Mm -hmm. yes, 
um, I definitely found, you know, in that experience in, the, in those years that like really opening myself up and feeling the pain, the upset, the disappointment did open me up to like so much more pleasure and joy mm-hmm. um, and really self-honoring as well. Yeah. Self-pleasure. That's my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the things I'll say for, you know, first and foremost is that maybe from my experience, I have a much broader definition of self-pleasure. I think of self-pleasure and I call it a practice because I really think it is like, it's something I have a discipline and devotion around. Um, because it benefits me so vastly. So versus kind of this thing that I do when I'm sort of turned on and in the mood to go do it, right? That's also great. But I think for many of us as women and like the way that we were raised and the society we live in, if we're waiting to feel that impulse, we're going to, might be waiting a very long time. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I do see it as a practice because there's a little bit of like, get started and trust that there's going to be something there for you some days. Um, But for me, self-pleasure really does hold all the things that I talked about earlier that I went to. Like sometimes my self-pleasure practice starts with, it always starts with like what's here now, Mm -hmm. right? And so sometimes that's like a tantrum on my bed, you know, that's like rage coming through or um, extreme fatigue where I just really let myself just like you know, I will often have music on and it's just like letting myself kind of meet, let my body kind of be heavy and roll around or move around the room, like sort of as exhaustion, (laughs) you know, it's kind of just saying, Hey body, I'm, I hear you. I'm right here with you. And really to me, that's such a key piece. Like you said, of like, even being able to just acknowledge where we're at from any given moment, emotionally, sensationally, our energy levels. So it starts with that that often then frees up a lot of space and energy. We don't realize like a good old tantrum will do wonders. Um, And I love calling it a tantrum because it feels so like scandalous. Like as women, we shouldn't have tantrums, but like, and again, I'm doing this in a safe container. You know, I have privacy. I have like my own space. I've made it safe for myself on the soft bed with pillows. And so it's really an opportunity to say, Hey, if there's anything that needs to come through, come on through, like I got you. Um, So self-pleasure can include that for me, but of Mm -hmm. course, or it also might include crying for a while or even sobbing. Like it can include all of the above, but it also includes the self-touch for pleasure, for the goodness of it. Um, And uh, so much to say about this. So let me like take a breath. The thing that I really, there's a couple pieces that I really see. One piece as it pertains to self-love specifically is that I think we really underestimate or maybe just have never thought about for many of us. Like we as women have this incredible pleasure potential in our bodies. It's, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> like we yeah. have so much pleasure-based anatomy um, that we really weren't taught about and definitely wasn't celebrated for us as we were girls growing into women. And instead what happened is we actually got shame and judgment around it or very confusing and conflicting like messages um and sometimes also have traumatic experiences around that aspect of our lives and so what happens is this really this piece that I find the more and more I practice and dive deeper into my pleasure I'm like wow this makes me feel unstoppable like even as I say that like my whole body is like oh yeah Mm -hmm. we're unstoppable like 
it makes me feel like I'm dancing around the house in all of myself. Yeah. It makes me feel like I'm literally glowing, like, like deep from the inside glowing. Yeah. I feel more creative, more confident, more alive. I believe people when they say I'm beautiful, they love yeah. me, you know? So it's like this, it's almost like this shortcut <laughs> to all these things that we think and talk around our whole lives sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we had access to it all along, but we didn't, no one like gave us the manual, you know? In fact, we got like <laughs> the wrong manual altogether. Yeah. They yeah, gave yeah. us like the entirely wrong manual. <laughs> So we're sitting here on this like gold mine and don't even know it for many of us. Yeah. And so to me, it just is this way to tap into first and foremost self love that I always say is literally tangible. Like you can touch it and feel it. It's mm-hmm. not this concept that we're kind of talking about up here in our heads. It's, it's like in my body, I get it. Like I am sacred. I am holy. I am beautiful, you know, I am worth anything that I desire. Like those things just are in a moment of like filling myself up with pleasure. So, and then on, you know, to go a step beyond that, it also just opens up so much more for us in pleasure with partners. Mm -hmm. I mean, what we're able to receive as women is often so greatly limited, um, by just our, our past experiences, our conditioning around this. And so what can happen is that you can just be limited on so many levels. And, and we think, well, this is just as good as it gets for us. Um, or we think there's something, you know, women will make it about themselves or their partner, you know, they can be in a wonderful relationship otherwise, but then feel like there's something wrong because they, mm-hmm. there isn't that like sexual um, fire and enjoyment and connection. And, so I love it for both of those. I love what it brings us individually. Um, and I love what it then also allows us to give and receive in partnership. Um, I always say like you, the way you, what, like the way you self-pleasure is the way you make love and the way you make love is the way you self-pleasure. So if you kind of like have this very rarely, or you think of it as almost a chore, or if it feels like you have this one way, which many women do until they start exploring, like there's nothing wrong with this, but like it's kind of one way in where they kind of like, you know, quick sort of orgasm, they know the way there, and then they kind of move on um, with life. And then we want to have these beautiful sort of, you know, fulfilling um, lovemaking with our partners, but we haven't actually like opened and sensitized our bodies to that. And I find that the pressure for so many women, if they try to do that with a partner, that work, it's just, it's a lot of pressure. It's Mm -hmm. a lot of um, being able to voice desires in an area you've never practiced that. So self-pleasure is this place, this like pressure-free zone to like explore what does my body like where do I feel numb and how might I work with that? What do I want? And can I like say it out loud to myself? Um, Cause that's a great first step before trying to say it out loud <laughs> to someone else, you know, if that yeah. feels really hard. Um, so many women, you know, will share that they, they're not even sure what they do want. They just know that they're not getting it. Yeah. That it's not happening. So yeah, that's, a little bit about stuff. <laughs> so what I love the most is we just use different language in how we teach these concepts. So I always mm-hmm. talk about, you know, pleasure, self-pleasure, 
um, orgasm, orgasms really just let us anchor into our feminine energy in, mm-hmm. in an easy way, right? It's effortless to allow yourself to receive in a, in a heightened state of endorphins, like self-pleasure and mm-hmm. love with a safe partner and, and orgasms and, and all of those pieces. But what I find, and I think this is what you're saying is because we were never taught to embrace the fact that our clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings solely for pleasure alone. Mm-hmm. We were meant to have lots of orgasms. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of our superpower. It kind of is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we were given that in a time where it was not only not told to us that that is, you are designed to receive pleasure in so many ways. But then, you know, you grow up in this paradigm around what sex should and shouldn't look like. And you're, you know, a teenager or in your early twenties trying to recreate what society Mm -hmm. thinks sex should look like. And all of a sudden you don't know anything about your body, except that sex makes you uncomfortable. You don't know how to express what you need. You're supposed to pretend like it's good. It's probably not been all that great. Mm-hmm. And then we commit ourselves to partnership, long-term partnership, and we don't have the communication skills, the confidence, or even the knowing of what it is that makes us feel really good. Yeah. And this is where self-pleasure gets to be explorative in a safe zone. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you so many women I work with in the self-love realm have never, ever masturbated. It's been such a foreign concept for them. It feels a little dirty. They're not sure they'll be able to come to completion or find their way around there. And they're shame and and all kinds of feelings attached to it. And I resonate with that so much because I didn't understand the power of self-pleasure until way late in my twenties. And now it's like, this is my, my body's right Like I, Mm. this is such a a beautiful piece. And when we talk about the, the next layer of bringing it to partnership, not only am I a a different woman in the, in the arena of sexual intimacy with my partner, now that I understand my body, now that I know what I need, now that I'm actively caring for her needs Mm -hmm. I'm showing up in a different way in intimacy with my partner. And I also feel safe enough. We've created this communication in the bedroom in it during sex that allows me to feel safe enough to say a little more of that, babe, a little less Mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Because one of the things that, as I really dove into the power of orgasm, the power of energetics, the masculine and feminine give and receive in terms of intimacy and energetically um, is the same shit happened to men. They're Mm -hmm. only, you know, their only understanding of who they're supposed to be in the bedroom was porn or media. Nobody's sitting them down and saying, you will have the best sex of your life when you care most about her having the best sex of her life. Mm -hmm but they don't know that. And so then we're here faking it for 10 years 
And they're like, what do you mean you're not getting what you need? And you're like, well, I didn't really know how to say it. And everybody's embarrassed and everybody feels inadequate. There's, there's so many dimensions. So I always, you know, like to say, this is about love and compassion on both sides. Mm -hmm. I love my partner enough to want to increase our intimacy, to want to have better sex, to want to be in a, in a, in such a state of arousal for one another, there's that I'm willing to have these hard conversations. Yeah. Yes. I'm just like, yes to everything. Right. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I love that you brought this up because this is such I didn't anticipate this. And through my work, I have really, oh, my compassion for men in this story Mm -hmm. has grown so greatly. And it's really helped even how I show up with my partner. Right. It's like, I often will tell clients, remember, like your partner isn't the patriarchy. Your partner is a man within the patriarchy. So yes, we have this kind of these social constructs that didn't serve any of us. And we all got the wrong manuals in that way, right? Yeah. Um, in some ways, men won out in the sense, I have quotation marks there for those who can't see me, but it's <laughs> like they won out in the sense that the narrative around sex does lend itself a little more to how their bodies get aroused and, you know, that mm-hmm. type of thing. But they lost out because they got no information about how to show up attuned and present with their partners. They get so much pressure around performance and action and these things. And so just as much, you know, there's so much pressure, like you said, it's like a pressure keg. And it's sort of, I, I always like that. It's such a tender moment when we start to acknowledge, as you said, in our relationship. And I think it's one of the beauties of long-term relationship in a way is if you can sort of like stay in it and want that intimacy enough that you're willing to have those conversations. And like you said, if both people can bring compassion for each other and themselves, because it is such a tender moment when you both look around and are like, wait, I thought we were doing this for you. No, I thought we were, well, I've been doing it for you. Wait, what's going on here? You know, it's a lot of like a lot of vulnerability and like tender feelings and, you know, shame can come up all kinds Mm -hmm. of things. So Ah, yes. So much compassion for everyone involved. And I find that one of the things that has been so helpful for me personally, and many of my clients is like that self-pleasuring piece coming to the, the table, right. Or the bed with like, with that understanding of myself and sort of just already embodying there's like it's like these uh, barriers, these invisible barriers that we carried, we don't even realize, but they start to disappear as we mm-hmm. work with our own bodies, right? So there are ways in which, for instance, my I know from everything I've learned and all my work that like a woman's body, her arousal, not always, but tends to build slowly more in like a wave-like fashion, right? So I could know conceptually that I wanted my partner to slow down and like take time. But you know what would happen if he did early on? Yeah. I would get frustrated, like, okay, hurry up. Like, because it was like this weird sort of like sandpapery feeling inside of me of like, mm-hmm. why are we taking so long? What's happening here? Yeah. Right. It's almost like I couldn't hold, I couldn't hold receiving all of that care and attention. Something felt off about it to me. And that's, that was just there. And so yeah. I would actually be the one to rush us along or to seem frustrated if it was moving too slowly. Now, fast forward when I've spent 
all this time and my own self-pleasure and even like sort of challenge myself to elongate things, to start even more on the outside and move inward with my body, you know, I built up that capacity to receive, right? In a sense. And, And like from that now, when he actually slows down, and takes his time. I'm, I'm like, oh yes, wonderful. Yeah. Here we are. Here right? we are. But I used yeah. to not be able to receive that, even though I knew it was what we should be doing for mm-hmm. my pleasure. So mm-hmm. I find that like it's so helpful. <laughs> it's so helpful to our partners and to us to really take that that time with ourselves to understand like there are so many internal barriers to this at this point. Yes, we absorb them from the world, but at this point they are they're in there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's uh, kindness to everyone involved to like, um, to spend time with that, to explore like both even our thoughts, what kind of feelings arise, you know, um, around whether it's sex or receiving touch or receiving pleasure, having all the focus on you, things like that often bring up for women as much as they might want them. Theoretically, they bring up a lot of um, almost anxiety, For sure. And I think that's where a lot of our, you know, that's why I think this is such a beautiful topic for this podcast. Mm Self-love is multidimensional. This is not just about, you know, the mean things we say to ourselves on the inside or the inner child things that have occurred in our life that made us question if we were too much or too little or Mm -hmm. too big or too small you know, then we're coupled with life experience where now we have body image or we're, you know, really self-conscious about our bodies. And then let's take it to the next layer where it's like, because I had all of those beliefs about myself, I never allowed myself to, to understand who I am sexually, to know who I am sexually, to feel confident in my desires in intimacy. And now... I'm supposed to be fully naked in front of someone and be able to say a little to the left, babe, without being concerned that they're going to be hurt. They're going to be offended. They're going to think something you don't want to hurt their feelings. Like, let's just add 72 possible narratives to, and then, and then you're supposed to relax enough to have an orgasm. Yeah. Right. You know, and I also want to bring to light that our bodies change as we change how I orgasmed prior to having my second child that will never work for me now, no matter how many Mm -hmm. times I try, my body has changed. My needs have changed. My hormones levels have changed, but I know that. And so my sex life with my partner just continues to get better year after year after year, because I know me and we've built love. And this is the, the, another layer I wanted to bring a beautiful piece about the, the couples that are navigating this, that are committed to their relationship, that want a better sex life. They're so committed to you as their partner and, and your desires and their desires that there's so much safety in knowing that alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not talking about one night Walter here, right? Like mm-hmm. the, we're talking about, this is a partner who loves you and wants to, pl- to please you and wants you to have an, an extraordinary experience within your intimacy. I think, and, and as do, as does the woman who's sitting in that same mm-hmm. room saying, I want this to get better because I love my partner and I love our life. And this part isn't where I wish it would be. Together, those communications 
really just simply being able to say, I, I would love you for you to try X, Y, Z and exploring together, the level of connection just deepens immediately, at least in my experience. Yes, I know. Uh, to me that I love that. And what I like, it feels like that incredible, again, like that tangible sense of like worthiness and deservingness within relationship, mm-hmm. right? Of like, this person cares enough to sit in this with me as awkward as it can be sometimes. And then as wonderful as it can be sometimes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that distinction between like, there's something wrong here versus we both want to just keep getting better together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, I, I totally agree that like this, this journey has been one of the most vulnerable tender journeys in my current relationship and in my own personal life with myself. Mm -hmm. And there's been such healing in this and being able to keep showing up to it and sort of learning, like, when is the best time to have a conversation about this? Um, How, like, how can we best receive it? How can we create safety, you know, for each other? caring enough that even if we had like a tough moment, because you do like, there's weird, especially as we were really just beginning this, like that moment after we we really finally acknowledged, like this isn't all working. Right. Yeah. It's like, there can be hurt feelings and tricky moments, but the fact that then the next day there we are again, (laughs) you know, like there's something about that, that was like quietly and deeply healing for me. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, this person really like, they're really in this with me. Yeah. And I'm really in it with them. And that is like so settling to our nervous systems to like, and again, which just keeps giving more and more permission to more pleasure as women, especially the relaxation yeah. in our bodies is so key. And so it's, yeah, that, that safety and relaxation. I love really it. Beautiful. Yeah. For the women who are listening, who have never explored self-pleasure, can you give them a few starter tips on how to start the process of learning how to self-pleasure, how to feel safe in it, how to create space Mm -hmm. for it? Yeah. Yes. So one of the things that I love for us all to know as women is that our pleasure, unlike a man's, which tends to kind of start and end in his sexual center, not always, but that's more their, their way. Uh, in our bodies as women, our pleasure builds more from the outside in. So one of the things I highly recommend is like giving yourself permission at first to just explore like movement that feels good to your body like putting on a piece of music and doing like some slow hip circles, right? And just noticing like maybe letting yourself like touch your belly, your hips, you know, as you move. I really like, maybe it's just a piece of music you enjoy and you move however you want. But there's like finding those things that have you feel a little more like activated, a little more like you, like your essence is here um, online. And for me, that is often like some kind of sultry music, a little bit of movement, hip circles, that type of thing. We, that really can set the sort of sets the tone for our bodies as women, right? We are going to be less likely to feel as much and feel relaxed enough to feel the good stuff. If we kind of go straight to the, (laughs) straight to the action. So as we say it, right. And so that's one piece I would say, the other piece I would add to that just as more like an umbrella over it all is that orgasm is one of those things that's like orgasm is a, is a sort of pleasure, right? It's a, it's a beautiful sort of pleasure. Um, 
And sometimes the pressure that we put on ourselves to experience that will be the very thing that will make it very elusive. So I want to remind us all that the whole point anyway is pleasure. And so really making your goal just any sort of pleasure at first can be really helpful Mm -hmm. because otherwise it's like anything you're doing, if you immediately feel like you're not doing good at it or well at it, you're less likely to return and try more, right? So I really want to encourage us all to think it's like, it's ultimately for pleasure. So let's enjoy the pleasure along the way, Yeah. right? So that can just take a little bit of the pressure. In fact, sometimes when I'm working with women who are really new to self-pleasure um, or maybe haven't experienced orgasm or aren't sure if they have, um, they, I will say, just take it off the table. In fact, I don't want you, you're not allowed to orgasm. Right? <laughs> yeah. I really want them to take that, just all that pressure away and just see like what feels good to my body, because that's mm-hmm. what will ultimately move us toward orgasmic experiences. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so those are two pieces, just, I always want women to keep in mind. Um, and then from there, one of my favorite things to have women do, there's a couple of things. One is to get yourself like in a a lovely, comfortable space. I think it's really nice to create a tiny bit of ritual. And by that, I just mean like, maybe it's that you always put on some music that you like, or maybe it's that you light a candle or maybe it's both. (laughs) It doesn't have to be fancy. Sometimes I just have one blanket that I always put on my bed when I'm self-pleasuring and Mm -hmm. I light a candle. And if I'm in the mood for music, I put on a little music. It just sort of lets my system know something special is happening here that's different from all the other things I do in my room during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just to be with yourself. And as you touch yourself to just say out loud what you're experiencing. So if, you know, if I'm stroking my legs then it might just be, okay, I feel the pressure of my hands on my legs or the warmth of my hands on my legs for a lot of, the work for us as women is just to sort of stay in our bodies really present. And what happens is there's actually a lot of pleasure there, but the like literal communication between our body and our brain, Mm. we haven't listened to it for so long that it's like a whisper and other things are like yelling at us in our lives. So we have to kind of get still and start to notice the whispers again. That's when our pleasure will skyrocket. So even though it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, again, no pressure for orgasm here. It's just like touching yourself. That can be sensual touch. It can be more sexual touch. I always tell women, whatever you're in the mood for that day, you mm-hmm. want to sort of honor that, but just naming what you're feeling, right? Yeah. Literally. Like I feel my hand on my belly. <laughs> I feel the warmth of my hand on my belly. I feel a little something happening in my pelvis. Like, you know, it just, it's, just sort of practicing staying with it, right? Staying with the actual sensation. Um, and the the other thing that I would say, just as one more, that's that's a lovely way to start to build our experience of pleasure is if a lot of women come to me and they have like one way that they've experienced orgasm, um, and anything else doesn't really do it for them. And that can be kind of frustrating and it makes it really tricky to bring that into like partnered um, intimacy. Yeah. So one of the ways to just start to play with that a little is edging, which is just basically taking whatever you're already doing, because like we always celebrate orgasm and pleasure, Yeah. but just yeah. taking that, like you can never get that wrong. But if you want to broaden that a little, then taking whatever you're usually doing 
And each time that you feel like you're kind of moving towards climax, that you just pause, which is a lot harder than it sounds. <laughs> you pause, take a few deep breaths, maybe kind of shake out your body a little bit. You're basically kind of allowing your body to calm back down a little bit. And then you start again. And then again, as you start to reach, if we think of like climax at a 10, as you start to reach like a seven or eight, can you sort of like relax the body again, mm -hmm. right? So here we're also kind of training the body to not rely so much on tension, but to really mm. relax into the pleasure. Yeah. Um, and it really is like one of those things that it's mind boggling how, how challenging that can be at first. <laughs> but what you're starting to do is building your body's capacity to hold more intensity of like goodness, yeah. right? Before you sort of really come over that edge. And so that's another one of my favorite practices for women who are just sort of starting to explore this. And maybe they already have a way that yeah. they bring themselves to orgasm whenever they decide, but they want to like broaden that to be even more nourishing. I love that. And, and I, you're so right. Like our minds go all the time to think that it's like, okay, now we're going to do that. And we're just mm -hmm. going to go right there. There's such a disconnect. There's so much missing. So I love that label, what you feel, be really present, create ritual. And I think, you know, at, in the energetics world, it's like, the more you do this, the more actual magnetism and success you have in all mm -hmm. other areas of your life. So think of it as like the gateway to abundance. Yes. Do we want more abundance? give yourself more pleasure. Mm -hmm. It's right? so like, true. It has opened up every area of my life. Mm -hmm. And I really, and some women come to work with me for that reason, you know, not so much. It's like, because they recognize how it does open up our magnetism and our yeah. personal power in that way. Um, so whatever the reason, yes, more abundance, more pleasure, yes. <laughs> more love, more pleasure. More, I more love pleasure. it. So Kendra, tell the audience where they can connect with you. The one, if you love social media, which one's your favorite platform and how they can get in touch with you further. Yeah. Um, I am spend most of my time on Instagram and I'm just there as Kendra Cover. Um, I am also on Facebook as the same and my website, KendraCover.com, if you're wanting to find me there. Um, yeah. And over on Instagram, I have some links. One of those is to the body journey, which kind of speaks to a lot of what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. It's really like a foundational self-paced course for women to just start to like create a little more internal safety, start to connect with their bodies, start to explore self-pleasure very foundational ways, practices I use with my clients every day. So um, I created something that women can just tap into on their own. So they can find that over there if they catch me on Instagram. Awesome. I'll make sure all of the social links are in the show notes of this episode. Kendra, thank you so much for being here today. Mm, my pleasure. Thank you. And if you guys love this episode, and I'm sure that you did, Take a screenshot, share it to Instagram, tag us both. We would love to know what really resonated with you today. And as always, I hope you love yourself fiercely and fully today and every day. We'll see you on the next episode.